Welcome to Barren Not Broken. This is your host, Bonnie Ruth, and I am so excited for this evening's session. Um, I have my friend Dustin here with me. We've been friends for, oh my gosh, Dustin, have we been friends for seven years? Uh, probably closer to eight, maybe nine. Wow. It's been a while. That's crazy. This is my friend Dustin, and him and his wife Amy were on Barren Not Broken as well, sharing the story um, of the loss of their daughter Layla and how they walked through that just intense um, loss and just the beautiful way that they have chosen to honor her life. So I hope you'll listen to that if you haven't already. And today I'm, I had Dustin come on because I felt like um, we always have the ladies, right? Jason comes on every once in a while, but I wanted to have you on D1 because I admire how you have walked your own story and I've watched you do that I've I've watched how you and Amy have walked it together but just as a guy as a man as a husband um and now a father like just knowing how you've walked it I really wanted to bring your perspective to this community um I think that you are real I think that you are not afraid to say honestly um where you've been And then I also think that you have this way of honoring where you've been, but you have a way of looking ahead. And I feel like that as men, like oftentimes this scenario, this community, this journey that happens of loss and miscarriage and infertility and childlessness and all the things, I feel like sometimes it can be hard to look forward. And so I just, I wanted to get your perspective on how you've walked your own journey of loss. And then also like how you as, as, um, a strong and, and thriving man and how you've lived your life look ahead. So thank you for being with us today. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, uh, like Bonnie Ruth said, my name is Dustin Elise. Um, originally from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, my wife and I, <laughs> my wife and I moved to Texas back in 2013. Um, and so we lived in the DFW area for a while. Um, and we love it here in Texas. Uh, we're not like, you know, the super prideful Texans yet, but <laughs> so you're not like I don't know, maybe, I, I maybe one I day. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I work for a technology company called Brushfire and I'm the event app director. And so, um, we get to help out a lot of churches and nonprofits and all kinds of things like that, you know, all over the world. And so it's a super cool job and I love what I do. So Um, let's tell a fun fact really quickly. I'm going to interrupt your story. (laughs) So Dustin and I have worked together at two different organizations, one of them <laughs> and somehow we have still remained friends. I'm not sure how that's happened, <laughs> but we like, we actually are really, we're kick-ass coworkers together. Like, let's just, be yeah. like every time we work together, we just, what did we call ourselves? Team Awesome. Yeah, team, awesome. It was team yeah. awesome. Um, <laughs> because we just have we are completely different, 
like, I mean, we couldn't really be more different if you were being really honest. Like we, we are very, yeah. Bind Ruth is the, uh, is the voice of the team and I'm the, you know, quiet guy that just does stuff or whatever. You're the executor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but we can like get so much done together. It's unreal. So anyways, I just wanted everybody to understand that we're not <laughs> friends, but we have, we have been through a gamut of things as coworkers and friends. So, okay. Back to yeah. our regularly scheduled events. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, my wife and I, we just made 10 years in August. We got married in awesome. 2011. We've traveled a lot, been a lot of places, been on mission trips together. And, um, you know, we, when we moved here, uh, like I said, we were only, you know, two years into our marriage. We were still trying to figure out careers. Uh, I was actually a chef at the time. And so I was working in, in restaurants and stuff like that. And, um, we wanted to have kids, but we were just trying to, you know, figure out the right time to do everything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then, um, a few things happened with me personally in, in my journey. And, um, you know, I was, I kind of slipped into a pretty dark place, um, just with trying to, you know, being, however old I was 25 26 and just trying to figure out you know what I'm supposed to do who am I supposed to be like you know um, which way I should go and um, you know I uh, would just run around in my head all day of just thinking of all all those thoughts and you know self-worth and not not feeling important or like I'm doing anything um, and eventually I just got tired of hearing all those voices and, and, you know, I would, I would, uh, I went through a stretch where I would just kind of, I would drink just to kind of silence all those voices at yeah. the end of the day. Um, and that, you know, went on for about a year and a half or so, um, ended up getting treatment in 20. 16, I believe. Yeah. And it really just kind of like opened up a whole lot of things that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that I just enjoyed alcohol or anything like that. It was, yeah. um, you know, I had things that were not dealt with or that I had never like, you know, actually walked through and, and, and seen and, and that kind of stuff. And, yeah. um, I ended up, you know, just finding anything to silence those, those, the thought and the uh, voices in my head, you know, that I'm um, not worthy or not good enough or good for nothing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, it was a terrible time and, and, you know, yeah. dark time, but the uh, other side of it is, um, you know, I wouldn't change anything because of, yeah. of what I've learned and, and how I've grown. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, made me who I am today. Yeah, no, I mean, I think one thing that I have admired and how you walked that season, because, you know, I, I had the honor of walking pretty closely with you guys in that time. And um, yeah. it was incredible to watch you have the understanding that it wasn't the alcohol 
that was at the root of the issue. It was the fact that you were lost inside yourself and you, you did the hard work, not just to stop, you know, drinking, but it was more about like finding who you are and what you needed in order to feel fulfilled in life. And I just remember, I remember coming to visit you and I'll, I'll never forget that day, um, just sitting on that couch in, in that rec center that you guys had, um, while you were in treatment and you just in tears said, like, I'm finding a Dustin that I didn't know. And I I won't for, I will never forget that because I thought to myself, how many of us live in a state of like, not actually knowing ourselves and, and numbing the chaos that's in our mind. And then life happens right? Because you guys had some things happen in there um, in that season of time and the darkness just took over. And it's like, how often are we not aware of who we are? We're not taking the time to stop and find it. We let the chaos of our mind and then we let life happen and we're faced with, you know, insert whatever thing you might use to numb. Um, And, and sometimes numbing is even like ignoring, or it might be Um, like, like for your situation, maybe it was the drinking. Um, For me, it's always work. Like I can be a workaholic, like no other person you've ever met. And I tend to numb with that. And so I just, I appreciated that moment because it challenged me to look at like, well, wait, do I know who I am? Because life's not going to stop happening, you know? And you guys found that out real quickly, even after that. And I think about how if you hadn't have in that segue of time stopped to, to deal with that and find a place inside yourself that, that you could be stable, um, man, can you imagine? No, like, I, I, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know that you would even be here. Like, yeah. um, and, and so I'm just very grateful that you, you, even though you fought a little bit at the beginning, <laughs> Um, you, t- you made the step, you made the choice to engage it. And yeah. wow. I just, it, honestly, it's one of the greatest, um, honors of my, my life, my journey to have been able to watch you go through that and come through that. Um, so yeah. and I, I think that not only was it important for me to find out who I am or, or who I want to be, but, uh, being able to, actually because I grew up in church and so you hear it all the time but like actually feel it for the first time and understand it is was seeing um understanding how Christ sees me like not not me just trying to see myself and all that kind of stuff but also see that you know he is the father and, and I am his son and that's that's enough yeah you know he doesn't need me to be some whatever um, so that was a very important part uh, of that as well. And, and yeah. you're right. Like the next, uh, it was a month and a half later, uh, you know, it all hit the fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so if we keep going with that story, um, I get out of treatment. I end up, Amy was leading a, um, Amy, my wife, she was leading a mission trip to, uh, Egypt um, there was a last minute dropout or something. Um, and so they asked me to go. And so I got to go on the trip with her to Egypt. Um, 
on the trip, she was feeling a little weird. Um, and so we get back home and she takes a pregnancy test and she, we find out she's pregnant. Um, and then that was probably December of 2016. We went for the eight week appointment and um, they didn't, they couldn't find a baby. Misconceptions, everything was there besides the baby um, or it was just really, really early uh, when it happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's like right out of everything. Um, but the way that I handled that or the way I react to that situation um, was a whole lot different than it would have been eight months before that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, I was able to, I was healthy enough mm -hmm. to be able to be there and support Amy. Yeah. Um, because as men, like we really don't build a connection or understand the connection uh, until after the baby is born. And so don't really know what to do or how you can support that person. But um, I was in the healthy, healthy enough place to be able to uh, be there for Amy and, and, you know, support her in any way that she needed um, during that time. Yeah, no, that's good. I think, you know, knowing that you guys, you know, face that, um, so quickly after, you know, <laughs> we, we don't always know what's on the other side of our decision to have growth in our life. And, yeah. and we also don't know what's on the other side of our decisions to not have growth. And I can't imagine, you know, knowing Amy and knowing her strength and who she is, even in that moment, she needed someone to be strong for her. Well, she, she tried to, she was going to go back to work after we found out about that, just to show you her strength. And so I told her, I told her, no, we're going yeah. home and we're going to relax. Right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so do you feel like just, you know, so, okay, you, you get out of um, treatment and you step into this scenario and then now you guys have experienced a loss um, that you weren't prepared for. You had already gotten excited about something that you thought you were going to get to have and, and kind of how did you guys, you know, you, sh you guys shared a little bit on the episode um, that you guys did before, but how did you as Dustin um, feel about that first loss? Like, was that kind of like something, uh, easily processed for you emotionally? Did you feel the depth of the loss? Was it more, um, experiencing watching Amy go through it? Kind of what did the loss feel like in that moment for you, for you? Yeah. Um, during that time, it was really just kind of, a um, it's, it's hard because it's, yeah. I didn't really truly understand exactly what happened, like down yeah. to the science. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I understood that, you know, she took a pregnancy test that said pregnant. And then, you know, um, I also think that the doctor we were seeing, like, it's, I, it's weird. Like you can find some doctors that they're just very nonchalant about it. And so I kind of picked up on that a little bit as far as, oh, well, this is, a normal thing, or this happens a lot or, yeah. you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So 
um, it, it was trying, it was hard to kind of put a label on it or like truly understand, um, what had happened. Um, but as a husband, I was really just trying to, uh, support her or comfort her any way that I could. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't think that I like fully wrapped my head around the loss of, of what it was just because I, I really didn't understand it at the time. Well, I think what you just pointed out is a huge point that I would love to encourage men in. And that is that as a man, you only have to go by what your wife and her doctor are telling you because physically, mentally, emotionally, your experience of this is very detached and that doesn't make you bad. It just is. Um, but then what happens is we go, we, as in like the wife, the couple goes to the doctor. And I think I would say, I don't have like legit statistics and what I'm about to say, but I would say 90 plus percent of doctors minimize it and make it very normal and like not a big deal. And there's nothing said about what happens emotionally, the questions that start getting asked in our minds as women, what did we do? What could we have done? Like, what did I miss? And so there's nothing addressed on that. So as a husband, all you can go by is the wife's probably feeling sick. Then, you know what, a few weeks later, she might start crying or maybe she cries that day or, you know, then all of a sudden you have a wife who's questioning, like, you know, who she is and like, it can send you down very different paths as men. And And so my point to it is, I think a couple things. One is we as wives have to understand that, that it is a detachment that you can't actually change. And so there has to be some grace to that. But then for the men, there has to be the understanding that I think if we could just bust this stereotypical doctor conversation and if husbands could not run with that and run with what their wife, where their wives are at, because very easily, and you're very logistical, like, um, kind of like name it, figure it out. This is what happened. This is how we prevent it next time kind of person. And you weren't even able to do that, you know? So imagine, you know, not that you can fully, but like, imagine being the wife and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't understand any of this, you know? So I think there's just so many stereotypical things that happen in that, that doctor's appointment after a first miscarriage and sadly even multiple, um, that it can be a moment of division that happens in a couple that's very unneeded. Yeah. And, and part of it's on the couple to talk about it. Part of it's on the husband to like be open to, um, navigating that with the wife and vice versa. Um, but I, I, I'm glad you said what you said, because even though you're just like nonchalantly sharing your story, the fact that you understood, like there was a point in which you couldn't connect with it and that's okay. That doesn't mean you're a bad husband, but I think what I heard you say that's different is that you still allowed Amy to have the experience in which she needed to process that. Yeah, absolutely. The, the biggest thing is, is communication uh mm-hmm. from the from the guy's point of view because um if you say hey i i don't understand this i don't uh i can't relate to this or i can't yeah. connect to this yeah. um comma 
yeah. but I want but, to, yeah. yeah, I want to help you or, you know, be there for you or support you in any way that you can yeah. or any way that I can. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's a big thing. That's, yeah. that's saying like, Hey, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I'm here for you. Yeah, that's good. That's very good advice. So you guys have this miscarriage. Um, did you guys, I know we're kind of fast forwarding, but like, did you guys make the decision um, to start trying again at some point or did Amy like just find out she was pregnant again, similar to first story? Kind of how did that next pregnancy come along? Yeah. Well, um, I know how that came along, but I mean, <laughs> how it was planned? was it not planned? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that there was, um, there was a certain period of time that the doctor, you know, advised like, don't yeah, of you know, try or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and so then that went into 2017, um, maybe late 2017, we, yeah. we kind of casually started trying again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, into 2018, I think we were still kind of just feeling it out and, and that kind of stuff. Weren't like doing anything super intentional. Yeah. Um, we might've tried a few times or for a couple of months, like, yeah. you know, certain things. Um, and then that was moving into end of 2018 into 2019, I think, um, is when we kind of just started asking doctors questions just because we had tried for yeah. a couple months, like solid of, of all the things and, and nothing was working. And so, um, I think I went to a doctor and got checked, yeah. um, Amy got like the blood work and everything done and all that stuff. And, um, cause that's, that's one thing that I observed is Amy kind of taking on the shame and guilt of, um, well, what's wrong with me? You know, what, what did I do? Or yeah. maybe I can't have kids and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, good point. D. So like when we get all these tests back and stuff and nothing's wrong, yeah. you're again, kind of like, well, what the hell, like what, yeah. what's going exactly. on? Why? That's honestly the worst. Sometimes it's like, I wish that there was something wrong so we could have answers and know how to go about it. But yeah, um, you know, you, you guys had to face that like oblivion of like, what the heck, you know, like why then, you know? Yeah. That's a hard one. So I think it was either my doctor or might've been her doctor. Um, they wanted to do a, maybe an MRI or, or some sort of scan or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they had to like, you know, shoot like the dye or whatever okay. for an MRI. To, yeah. Yeah. She had stuff done. And then like I was saying, it's either, it was either my doctor that we were talking to. Um, but somebody mentioned something about her dates and cycles and whatever. And like, maybe we were a couple of days off. And so we yeah. tried something different the next couple of rounds or whatever. Yeah. And, um, that was June of 2019 that we found out that she was pregnant. Yeah. Um, I think June. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, she came home one day from work and had like bought this card and stuff like that. And, you know, wrote a note in there that we yeah. were pregnant and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, didn't react the way that she wanted me to react um, just because it was one of those, 
um, one of those moments where we had been, we had gone through a miscarriage. We had been trying for a long time. And now it was one of those things of like, well, oh shit, is this real? Or is this, you know, is this going to happen again? Like what's, you know, and so I kind of just froze a little bit. Um, and yeah, there was just a lot of fear involved with that and, and kind of the unknown and, um, and all in, in worry, obviously. And so, um, so we, you know, get to the, the eight week appointment and that obviously was your point for yeah yeah and so I was just you know praying just let me hear a heartbeat just let me hear yeah. a heartbeat you know the mm-hmm. whole time like leading up and we heard a heartbeat and everything seemed normal and fine and and great and so we just kind of kept going with all appointments you know whatever the next one is the 12 week or, or whatever um and then we find out it's a little girl um and so uh, by this point, you know, we're, I'm kind of slowly letting go of some of that anxiety and, yeah. and worry and, um, I'm starting to get excited. Um, I want to know at this I, point, had you bought her some sneakers? <laughs> I don't think maybe, maybe around the 20 week mark. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think it was around maybe around that 20 week mark. Uh, we went to the doctor for one of the checkups and they said they couldn't find her, one of her kidneys or something like that. Um, or, but it might've just been hidden or something on the scan. Uh, but then they, uh, noticed that Amy had a lot of fluid on her stomach. Like she was Mm -hmm. super, her belly was super tight. Um, and so then they kind of started doing some more tests and stuff like that. And they were saying that, um, our daughter had a dual denal altresion, I think is what the medical term is, but basically she had a twisted intestine or like flipped intestine or something like that. Um, and so that of course negated all of the, you know, progress that I had made against the anxiety and put me back at square one. Um, uh, they again, kind of just made it, um, not a normal thing, but you know, just something they're going to keep their eye on. And, um, you know, once she's born, there might be a little surgery a couple of days after she's born, that kind of stuff. Um, and so we were seeing a high risk doctor, you know, um, frequently and mm-hmm. everything seemed to be okay. She was growing fine, all that stuff. And then it was December 23rd. And so Amy was 33 weeks pregnant, I think, um, or just about to be 33 weeks. Yeah. Um, we, had a normal day. It was, you know, right there before Christmas. I think we went to, eat breakfast with my sister and then just came home and just kind of chilled for the rest of the day. Um, that night, Amy said like, Hey, I haven't really felt her moving around. And we, it was, you know, two days before Christmas. So we called her doctor and 
they had someone on call, but it was like at the hospital or something. So they just sent us to yeah. um, a hospital and uh, they put us in a room, strap Amy up to some um, machines and stuff like that. And then um, one of like the main doctors comes in and, and does a um, an ultrasound and she's like moving it around and then she, she kind of just takes it and puts it down and, uh, you know, says, you know, Amy and Dustin, I'm sorry, but um, I'm not seeing a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stuff that you see, the stuff in the movies where yeah. a bomb goes off or an explosion goes off and the guy's uh can't hear anything his ears are ringing and that kind of stuff and that's what happened to me like I completely um was just not there anymore yeah um I had prepared myself for the craziness and and whatever would have happened after she was born and and the surgery and I thought through that situation five times yeah Um, her not making it to that uh, never crossed my mind. Yeah. And so, um, Mm. you know, just completely blindsided and um, don't, I didn't know how to process any emotions um, and didn't know what to do. uh, But I, the one thing I did know is that I couldn't fix anything. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, change anything or, or, um, you know, yeah. make anything better at the moment. Yeah. No control over anything. Yeah. So they originally said that we were going to be able to go home and then like, you know, talk with her doctor the next day or whatever it was. But Amy's sure was at like reaching the stroke level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were worried about her having a stroke. Um, because her blood pressure was so high. And so, um, you know, having to stay in hospital. Um, Mm. and then, you know, we start calling family and friends and people start coming in and all that stuff. And the bad, one of the bad things about that is, you know, Amy still has to have this little girl one way or the other. Um, and so Mm -hmm. that is another thing that, in the moment I'm not thinking of, I'm just trying to process everything. Um, and so they tried to induce her, um, over the next couple of days, uh, you know, it's Christmas Eve the next day. Um, nothing had really happened or progressed. Um, and then Christmas day passed and she's still, they were trying all the different things and she wouldn't make any progress. Um, Mm. and so on the 26th, they ended up, um, scheduling a C-section. And so our daughter, Layla Isabella Elise was born on, um, December 26th on in 19 or 2019. Um, and I was, at Amy's head, uh, when they were doing it. And I would imagine it was just adrenaline or or something like that. But like I was shaking, uh, uncontrollably and, um, trying to comfort Amy at the same time. And it's a, it was a very, uh, 
eerie, but also peaceful feeling in the uh, operating room. Um, Because I knew that she, um, I knew that she was already with Jesus and in his arms. Um, And I could feel that heavy in the room. Um, And so I was able to hold her and, um, you know, look at her, look at her for a little while. And Amy was able to hold her and, um, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things where, uh, you don't understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and you don't understand why it happened. Um, and you kind of have to just sit with that. Um, you can't go and, you know, find an answer somewhere or do something to change an answer. Um, it's one of those things where either you live what you say on a consistent basis about, um, believing in God and trusting in God, um, and that he is really your provider and he, he has, he knows your steps and the plans that he has for you, um, or you don't. Um, and so, yeah, that was, um, we got to stay with her the rest of that day. Mm. Um, and then, uh, Amy was in the hospital for another two or three days. And then we were finally able to come home. Um, that was obviously the worst, you know, couple of days in my life. Um, and it is just a tough thing to navigate no matter who you are or or what it is or, you know, um, no words to describe the intensity, the, the scenario, what's happening, like, um, what you just shared about, you know, that the weight, feeling the weight of it in the room, in the, in the surgery room, it's like, I mean, you're telling it what, how many years later now, almost two years later, and you can still feel the weight. I mean, I wasn't even there and I can feel the weight of it, you know?